Hey everyone and welcome back online. And I know that we are in less than perfect conditions, but here's what I'm hoping this Christmas season does for us. Remember that when Jesus came down to this earth 2,000 years ago, remember how many people didn't see Him, couldn't see Him, chose not to recognize that the eternal Son of God was among us. They completely missed Him and His ministry and the fullness of what that meant. Now, 2,000 years ago, situations were tense, situations were difficult and challenging. And in the same way, for us now today, situations are tense and challenging and difficult. But let us not be like those people whose reality is defined by these challenges, by these difficulties, but rather whose reality is defined by the fact that we can see Emmanuel. We can see that God is truly among us. He is truly inserted in our difficulties and our challenges. And so we are doing this series called Love Came Down, where we are wanting to focus on this idea that yes, times are tough. Times are far from ideal. And yet we have a God who entered our context, who entered humanity, who is truly God with us. And so the central visual idea of the series is the ladder. At Riverside, over the course of the last few years, I've often mentioned that the gospel and that Christmas tells us that God didn't expect us to climb the ladder of purity, us to climb the ladder of holiness and glory and somehow to achieve these great heights where maybe we can knock on the door of heaven, but rather God bust out of heaven in Jesus and he climbed down the ladder to us. Love truly came down. God truly left the comforts and the glory of heaven and entered the muck and the mire of your and my circumstance and challenge and sin in order to truly be God with us, God among us. It reminds me of an ad campaign a number of years ago with Dale Stain. Some of you may remember Dale Stain, one of our top cricketing fast bowlers. And I think at the time, if I'm not mistaken, he was the world's number one fast bowler. And the ad campaign was that he was going to engage in a fitness challenge, not with another fast bowler or another premier cricketer or another premier sportsman, but a fitness challenge with a toddler who, by my estimation, is no more than about 18 months old. And here was the nature of the fitness challenge. He, for an entire 24 hours, was going to do everything the toddler did. And so if the toddler mixed his orange juice with his cereal and shoved it in his ear, Dale Stain was going to do the same. If the toddler kind of fell down on his nappy bum, Dale Stain was going to do the same. If the toddler crawled around and pulled himself up on the couch, Dale Stain was going to do the same. If the toddler had a nap, Dale Stain was also going to receive a welcome break because this turned out to be extremely challenging. Remember one of the pre cricketers in the world at the time when he was living this life as this toddler it was extremely challenging and he was absolutely finished now I know that 
This is not a perfect analogy, but if we think about all who Dale Stain is, and the fact that he intentionally limited himself in order to enter the world of this toddler, I think that's what Christmas is teaching us. You see, on one hand, we've got the idea that God is transcendent, the idea that God is glorious and holy and infinite in his majesty. He's over and above and beyond and before this entire created cosmos. That is the transcendence of God, his glory and his holiness and his majesty. And at the same time, we know that God is imminent, meaning that God is close, that God is Emmanuel, God is with us. And it is this Christmas season that helps us to recognize, yes, the glory and the majesty and the holiness of God, but also, more particularly, the imminence of God. And so I think this is what John had in mind when he wrote in a very famous verse, John chapter 1, verses 14, when he said, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Now, I would love to go down the rabbit hole of all that is caught up in this idea of Jesus being the Word. But let me just summarize it by saying that the Word here in this verse refers to the transcendent reality of Jesus as the eternal Son of God. You see, in your and my imagination, Jesus kind of entered the world through Mary and Joseph, but that is not when his existence started. That may be when his incarnation started. We'll come back to that in a second. But Jesus has always been. In fact, the book of Colossians, as well as the testimony of the entirety of Scripture, tells us that all creation was created by Jesus, through Jesus, is held together by Jesus. Jesus and is for Jesus. All of that is caught up in this idea of Jesus being the Word, the transcendence Word. But our minds need to be blown when John says in this verse that that Word became imminent. That Word put on flesh and made His dwelling among us. And, and that is where we get this idea of Christmas being the incarnation of the Son of God. The incarnation. Where does that word come from? Well, if you ever order a pizza con carne, and I know I'm probably butchering the pronunciation if you're Italian or Spanish, but a pizza con carne comes to you with lots of meats on it, right? And a chili con carne comes to you as a chili meal filled with meat. And so when it says here that Jesus put on flesh he literally put on our meat our flesh if you had to examine Jesus muscle under a microscope 2000 years ago it would be no different to yours and mine Jesus had the same lungs as you Jesus had the same heart as you Jesus had the same physical brain as you. Jesus took on flesh, the muck and the mire of human existence. Jesus sweated when it was hot. Jesus went through teething pains and growing pains. Jesus got splinters in his hand when he was working with his family. And there are so many reasons why 
Jesus chose to do that. And we're going to be exploring many of those throughout this December and Christmas season. However, today we want to focus on one of the reasons why Jesus did that is so that he could fully identify with humanity. And not just this general idea of humanity, but Jesus could fully identify with you and not only your highlights but your lowlights the situation you are in right now December 2021 Jesus wanted to fully identify with you and your very human limitations and human condition by the way that's what is making this COVID season so hard because God's plan a is incarnation taking on flesh. God's plan A is living bodily amongst us. And we know that because in Genesis 1, he was among us. And we know that because for all of our eternal redeemed future, somehow God is going to be tangibly among us. And so God kind of foreshadowed that in Jesus by coming and incarnating himself bodily among us that he is amongst an embodied people and I'm so grateful for Wi-Fi I'm so grateful for the church online platform I'm so grateful that we can continue doing ministry and being church in this very unique season however Amongst the many things that are so wrong with this season, it is moving us away from incarnation. It is moving us away from being embodied. And so we recognize the challenges of COVID. And yet we need to fight for incarnation. Somehow we need to fight for seeing the God who is among us. We need to fight for our embodied reality. We need to fight for our friendship and our community as a church. But not only is COVID moving us away from this incarnate reality, but for those of you who are online and you're aware of some of the social media platforms and uh, you would know that Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO and founder of Facebook, recently rebranded Facebook as Meta. And what he's hoping to achieve together with a whole lot of other people is this metaverse, this virtual reality universe that you and I can enter through our Wi-Fi and we can trade and we can work and we can uh, relate to one another and we can almost do everything that we hope to try and do in this world, except it is happening in this metaverse. Now, like with all technology, I'm not against it necessarily. I am aware that it's going to come with incredible opportunity and it is also going to come with incredible challenge. But I think one of the greatest challenges that is going to come to us from this kind of world is that for Mark Zuckerberg, the greatest form of reality, the greatest utopia is a disembodied, a non-incarnate reality without flesh and blood and Jesus pushes against that by saying I am the transcendent word of God I'm not just beaming myself to you in the form of dreams and visions and some form of virtual reality in our brains I came bodily among you I am God with us and I am coming down from heaven from utopia if we can use that word 
into the muck and mire of an embodied life. Let me give you some biblical examples of where we can see just how serious Jesus was when he took on our flesh and when he entered the human condition. Jesus knew temptation. In Mark chapter 1 verses 13, we see that Jesus was tempted by Satan himself. Jesus knew poverty. In Matthew chapter 8 verses 20, we see Jesus talking about foxes have holes, but the Son of Man doesn't even have a place to lay down his head. We know that Jesus knew frustration and anger. In John chapter 2 verses 15 to 16, we see how angry and frustrated Jesus was by these people who turned his father's house into a market. Jesus knew weariness. In John chapter 4 verses 6, Jesus was physically tired and weary from a journey and he had to sit down and rest by a well. Jesus knew disappointment. In Luke chapter 13 verses 34, Jesus was disappointed as he looked at the people of Jerusalem and how they had abandoned their faith. Jesus knew rejection. In John chapter 6 verses 66, crowds of followers of Jesus turned away from him. And that is one of many moments of rejection. Jesus knew sorrow. In Matthew 26 verses 38, we see Jesus broken by sorrow in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus knew ridicule. In Mark chapter 15 verses 19, we see how the crowds mocked him and spat on him and rejected him. Jesus knew loneliness. In Matthew chapter 27 verses 46, he cries out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I know that I've covered so many of the challenges that you're experiencing right now. And to be honest, I could go on and on and on. But here's why Hebrews chapter 4 verses 15 is such a powerful verse for Craig and I. And it's regularly coming up in our preaching. Where it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet was without sin. See, Jesus is not like these Greco-Roman gods who were up kind of making love and making war and living in palaces and doing their splendid thing while us mere mortals are living our horrible lives down here. This is why Jesus is not one of these elite people living in the lap of luxury while the rest of us are down here. Makes me think of, I'm no great historian, but Marie Antoinette, who when her leaders were trying to tell her, but your people don't have bread. She was so out of touch where people actually were. She responded by famously saying, well, let them eat cake. She had no idea what her people were going through. Jesus is not like that. Even in Christmas, We are reminded by the fact that the King of Kings, the ultimate sovereign of all of reality, did not come to us in the form of a wealthy leader in a palace with servants and a silver spoon in his mouth. Rather, he came to a working class family where he experienced what it means to probably at times live on the breadline. To work, 
to not have people walk around and recognize him at every turn. Jesus chose to humble himself. Because if he had to identify with the 0.0001% of the elite, he would be ignoring the rest of the human condition. Some of our carols have such great theology. And the carol Hark the Herald Angels Sing says, Veiled in flesh, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, Hail the incarnate deity, Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. And we sing this song every year. We talk about the incarnation every Christmas season and many seasons in between. And yet I'm not entirely sure that we fully get this idea of the word becoming flesh and making his dwelling among us. Emmanuel. Reminds me of a story that Rowan Atkinson tells. For those of you who don't know, Rowan Atkinson played the famous character of Mr. Bean and probably one of the most recognizable faces on planet Earth. Anyway, he was in an auto mechanic and he was waiting for his car, sitting now down next to a guy. This guy turns to him and says, hey, you look like Rowan Atkinson. And Rowan Atkinson, not one to kind of point to himself, responds by saying, well, I am Rowan Atkinson. And this guy says, no, you're not. You just look like him. And he tells a story that the more he tried to convince him that he was actually Rowan Atkinson, the more this guy got angry and refused to believe that he was actually speaking to Rowan Atkinson. And the point is this. So often our presuppositions of who we think Jesus is and what he should look like can get in the way of us actually seeing the word who became flesh, the God who is truly Emmanuel, truly among us. Some have pushed back by saying, okay, Jesus came and took on flesh and took on our condition, but he wasn't just human, he was also God. And, and so that's kind of not fair, meaning he didn't fully identify with us. And here is where some good theology can truly save us. And so I want to read from another passage that we often refer to at Riverside because of its power and because of its, because of its clarity. Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, describing Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held on to, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. When it comes to Jesus, the Son of God, taking on flesh, I think we can make two equal and opposite mistakes. The one is, in order for us to protect his divinity, we think to ourselves, therefore, he is less than human. On the other hand, for us to recognize that he became human, he had to let go of some of his divinity. And yet the Christian witness is that somehow... Jesus was fully divine and 100% fully man. Not 80-20, but 100% and 100%. Now, if you're trying to figure out what that looks like, 
Man, your brain is supposed to hurt. But one of the best illustrations that I think can maybe help us try and understand this comes to us from American pastor, author, a guy called Gavin Ortland. And I was going to try and kind of retell this illustration. But to be honest, I think he does a way better job. So I'm going to read it to you. And, and this is what he says. Suppose just as Christ comes into his own creation at the incarnation, Tolkien, for those of you who don't know, Tolkien who wrote The Lord of the Rings, Tolkien had written himself into Middle-earth as a character of the story alongside Frodo and Mary and Pippin and the rest. Had Tolkien done so, he would not, for that reason, cease to exist in Oxford. In fact, his whole existence in Middle-earth depends on his continued writing. In other words, it is one thing to be in Oxford and Cambridge, two different places in England, at the same time, but it is another thing to be in the Shire and Oxford at the same time. And the relation of heaven and earth, and with it the relation of Christ's divine and human natures, is more like the relationship between the Shire, Lord of the Rings, and Oxford. Supposing the incarnated Tolkien is sitting in Frodo's home in the Shire for a meal, this does not in the least hinder the Tolkien in Oxford from going to sleep or traveling to India or putting the book down for 20 years. Jesus taking on flesh does not at all diminish his being fully divine. And Jesus being divine doesn't at all diminish him taking on flesh and the human condition. In other words, it is not true that somehow because Jesus was God, it was less real for him. Jesus took on flesh. He took on our flesh. He took on our sin. He took on our challenges. He was tempted and he was tested in every way just as we are. And this means something just as we start wrapping up one of the many things this means is that while i love church the fullness of what the scriptures mean by church while i love church and while jesus loves his church it is his bride and it is his body he is jealous over his bride and his body just as i am jealous of my bride and who we are as a body what this means is Jesus isn't only to be encountered in church, which he is in a very powerful and tangible way. Jesus isn't only to be experienced in prayer, which he is in a very tangible and powerful way. Jesus isn't only to be experienced in word and worship, which of course he is in a very tangible and powerful way. And these are some of the most clear and most powerful ways that we get to experience God with us. But what the word taking on flesh means and what our high priest being tempted and tested in every way, just as we are, means is that while I can encounter God in these sacred spaces, what if my pain, what if my insufficiency is also a sacred space where I can encounter the high priest who was tempted and tested just as I am? That we can encounter Jesus in our weakness. 
and in our failures and in our anger and in our loneliness and in our frustration. That verse we read earlier from Hebrews 4 verses 15 that says, In light of Jesus being this high priest, we get to approach the throne of grace with confidence in our time of need. And I know that every single one of you are in a time of need. Jesus isn't on the other side of COVID. Jesus isn't on the other side of the challenges that you're experiencing right now. Just like so many people miss Jesus when love came down 2,000 years ago, let us not miss the Jesus who is among us. God's love, tangible love coming down into your situation. And so I want to pray that we have eyes of faith to see the Jesus who is with you and among you right now. Father, we are not where we want to be. We had hoped that by now so many things would have come right. And as a result of COVID, as a result of being online, we have experienced so much loss in our relational space, in our church space, in our financial space, in our own mental and physical health and well-being. We have lost, we have been robbed. And yet we have a high priest who is not unable to sympathize with all that I'm going through right now. We have the Word who has become flesh, the transcendence who became eminence, the glorious and majestic and holy God who is also with us and in many ways has experienced what I am experiencing. And so Holy Spirit, Help me look to God with us. To love that came down the ladder into my situation. Let me not be defined by my challenges and my loss, as real as those are. Let me define. Let me be defined by the presence of Jesus who is with me right now. And we know in the weeks to come, we're going to be brought into this further reality of all that that means. The greater hope of what that means. But Jesus, we choose to look to you and to see you with us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.